This podcast is brought to you by the Amateurs Fantasy Sports Network. Hello and welcome to another episode of the NRL Fantasy Amateurs Podcast. It's Mark here with Ryan and special guest tonight. Uh, he's been uh, in his hotel room bed all week preparing and uh, we've got the NRL Physio Flu Game happening tonight. Brian, mate, you've uh, you've risen from the dead and decided to join us. Mate, apart from the, uh, you know, back in COVID times and we had to have a week off when we tested positive, I've never had a week off work for sickness and I've literally, yeah, I've been off since last Friday and I'm, I'm not going back till next Monday. So, yeah, it turns out man flu is a uh, is a real thing mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah, uh, looking after kids with man flu is, uh, has been a whale of a time. So I, I just can't wait for the footy to get started so I can actually do something while I'm lying on my back. Yeah, well, I, I figured you must have just been having a week off so you could get your super t- coach team like exactly perfect. Oh, I thought that's I thought that's what it might be. I know that's what Ryan's need, been doing this week. I need I need more than a week, mate. I'd I'd need a long <laughs> I need a long time, I can tell you. <laughs> oh boys, we're on a bit of a deadline tonight. So Ryan, I know you're uh, you're pumped and ready to go and and uh, we've compiled a list of injury uh, sort of questions and, and uh, Ryan, it seems to me like maybe this year in particular there seems to be a lot of like this it's it's a really timely episode i think uh we've got a, a couple of questions leading into round one about some some key key guys and um yeah it would be good to get some insights yeah absolutely right it feels like uh, maybe this year more than ever there's a lot of uh, quite relevant guys and i, I guess uh, that probably includes uh brian's man tommy gilbert unfortunately for his dolphins so hopefully uh hopefully the mm. dolphins can go all right without him yeah, it's the people's team, mate. I think I uh, what, I saw you put up there, Brian, that there's three ACL injuries and we haven't even kicked an official ball yet, which is a bit frustrating. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's not a deal. Early season, it seems to be pretty common. I think the ground's usually a bit harder, um, mm-hmm. you know, coming out of summer and stuff like that. So those forces going up through the leg are, are a bit more in these kind of cases. But, uh, yeah, I mean, just huge for the Finns. That was... You know, I only, I think I did a, a preview for one of the, you know, oh, I can't remember. Someone asked for like a, uh, I think it was the league, the league, or oh, I can't remember their name. This is going to be offensive boom, to boom, them. Boom rookies. No, uh, so I did, well, I did boom rookies, but then I did the league scene. I'll, I'll shout them out. The league scene, they asked for like a 60 second season preview. And it was kind of like, why can you win the comp and why can't you win the comp? And you had to kind of give 30 seconds on each. And yeah. my thirty seconds of why we why we couldn't was injuries, <laughs> oh, and not that I expect not that I expect like uh, you know the Finns to win the comp this year, but like the injuries just mm. killed them last year. So it was just to have that happen before a ball's even been kicked is just yeah, it's filthy. Yeah, at least you got Tommy Flegler there. Got a little bit of backup to the dad's army mm. this year. You got another young guy there at least, and um, see some rumors about Max Plath training at hooker at uh, lock this morning, which is interesting. Yeah. But we'll, yeah, I don't know how that'll shake out. But uh, mate, we I know we we you know you're on a, a time sensitive mission tonight, and so you got to get your 30, 38 points and five uh, rebounds racked up in in <laughs> session tonight. So, mate, I want to start you off with Jaden Campbell. So Jaden Campbell, obviously big. 
uh, one in our space. The 5-8 duel in Supercoach as well was absolutely massive. But for us, it's just a wing fullback, which, you know, in fantasy, wing fullback and centre are the two hardest positions to fill at the moment. Um, and and obviously, Jaden Campbell was in my 5-8 spot in Supercoach and stapled onto my wing fullback here. Uh, and then obviously we had the reports that he was going to be missing up until round five or thereabouts a while back. And then it seems like now it's seeming more like round three. And I mean, for super coach, I know you guys do three games before the price goes up for us, but for us, it's a every week, the price goes up. Mm. So, uh, we were looking at Keeney as a round one, three, four, potential you know cash smash being that you if you start with him you only need one one trade because he's obviously you know it's not like super coach where you got the 100%. two fullback exclusive guys Definitely. um have you seen anything on the Jaden campbell to make us think it could be possibly five six instead of three four or what's your what's yeah your like i think what i've heard is i i heard round four to five and i like i guess my biggest thing with it is they're there isn't a lot of reason for this to extend it out to round four to five other than he's having difficulties in rehab. So that for me makes Keeney a great buy to start the season because like my, uh, a bit like what you're saying with like super coach, like uh, Jaden Campbell's locked into my five, eight spot all off season. Cause I'm like, he's going to be fine. Like I, I put the injury profiles out. I said, you know, it's, it's over six months since his surgery. That's heaps of time for that surgery usually to, you know, to be fit and ready to go. So he he wasn't even in full team training at the end of January, I think, or when we got the last update was maybe early February. So the fact that he still wasn't in team training, they're talking around four to five. I like, I just think, and and there's every chance if Keeney comes out and kills it and, you know, potentially uh, Campbell's had a few difficulties in rehab, do they get Campbell coming through Q Cup? to kind of, you know, build his legs and stuff like that. So, Mm. yeah, I think especially if you're getting that, I think for Supercoach, once again, that difference of he might only get four or five games, you know, like uh, when I say worst case, you know, potentially, then probably in a Supercoach sense, he's probably not worth it. But from a fantasy perspective, I think he's absolutely worth it because you're getting a price rise from the first week. So, yeah, I, I, I don't mind him. Yeah, yeah, no, it's definitely like we've obviously tossed up that whole concept of, you know, like Jaden Campbell's not rusted into the team either, but I mean, he is, he's been hanging around waiting for a spot for a while. They've moved Brimson to accommodate him, uh, among other things, because, but they're obviously pretty high on Keeney because, you know, a lot of teams you want to have a bit of depth there. So the fact that they've just said Keeney's a fullback and they haven't even sort of spoken about moving Brimson back probably, you know, lends a lot of confidence. So it might be worth, yeah, definitely worth keeping an eye on. And obviously his, uh, his counterpart at the Titans, David Feeder peck injury, that one seems a bit more straight up and down round five and just sort of assess, assess when we get there. Yeah, I think uh, guys come in when they leave it a little bit extra. So once again, I think if the Titans, if it was a grand final, in round what, like say the date of round one, I reckon Dave Fafita would play because guys can come back in that 10 to 14 week range and round one's about 13 weeks for Fafita. But it's one of those things, it's round one, they've got to buy round two. It's not a surprise that they're just taking their time with him. They've got a long season ahead. They they obviously, you know, have Desi there and, and probably have higher aspirations for this year. So forwards tend to come back pretty well if they leave it a little bit. Like, and, and especially, look, I probably haven't studied 
Kikau's fantasy stats from last year. But certainly from just an overall workload perspective, he came back 18 weeks post-pec injury and, you know, seemed to keep that because he left it that extra little bit beyond that 10 to 14 weeks. He came back and his workload was almost identical from what I could see. And that tends to ring true. So if a feeder leaves it to around that round 18, 19, you don't really, uh, sorry, week 18, 19 post, which would be around that round four to five, you just, I, I just wouldn't have any concerns with him. Like I wouldn't even be against picking him up, you know, the first week he's back if you want to have like a stab at a, a point of difference or something like that. Yeah, cool. Yeah, now obviously no pressure to get him in round one as the most expensive edge player and, and great. But obviously for draft, uh, there's some people that have sunk some draft capital into him. I managed to, he managed to slip to like the third round of a draft for me the other day. It was a shorter league. It was only six teams or something like that. But mm-hmm. I mean, he's a top, top seven or eight scorer. So he's sort of been given the injury discount, which is, is someone that I usually tend to target is, is injury discount type guys in, in draft. Although sometimes you can, you can run a risk there. So, um, a uh, quick one on Brendan Piakura. He's been named, looks set to play that really low grade medial ligament injury doesn't seem to be too much of a stress. If you had to say in one word, do you think he's going to play 80 minutes would be yes or no in round one? Yes. If, if uh, effectively whatever the plans were for him beforehand, which I think was to play 80 minutes, then I could see him. The only reason I'd see him rested is if it was a big blowout and they just went, Oh, let's just get him off. Cause like a minor MCL isn't really a reason to, yeah, to change plans. Yeah, no, sounds good. Um, now, I want to uh, deviate from the list here a little bit. I'm going to – it's still on the list, but sort of towards the bottom. I want to cover mm-hmm. off uh, on the two uh, shoulder injury hookers, I'm going to call them, which is Jeremy Marshall King and Reed Marnie. So mm-hmm. Marshall King looks set to be an 80-minute or thereabout hooker again. Reed Marnie's a pretty consistent 80-minute performer, and it seems they want to keep to use, using him that way. Uh, what we noticed with Reed post – the shoulder injury re like even the surgery is his uh missed tackle count was really really high last year and and the year before obviously last year was a mix of the shoulder and the the um the poor dog's middle uh do you think that we can expect that uh, just as a uh, moving forward any hookers guys that make 45 50 tackles a week if they've had that shoulder surgery that we can expect just that their defensive workload's going to be, you know, a couple more missed tackles a game as a rule moving forward, or is this is just mm. a? It's probably worse. It's worse when they're playing through it before they get the surgery. To be honest, like I, I probably would say that Marnie, if that was the case, it was his shoulder. Then he's a bit of an exception to the rule because when you expect to see it more, like Jeremy Marshall King's a perfect example, playing through it last year, like he his like workload, performance, that kind of thing definitely dipped as he was playing through, you know, that shoulder issue. Whereas usually you see hookers coming, or middle forwards, I should say, and I'll loop, you know, whether it be hooker or a front rower, four to six weeks it takes them to kind of get their bearings again, um, playing, coming back after after a shoulder reco, but then they're usually pretty good. Um, so if Marnie's kind of continue, I didn't really track Marnie all that much last year, I must admit. Um, but if he's continued throughout the year and I, I would lean towards it being more due to the dogs then would be okay. my lean rather than the shoulder because usually middle forwards come back from these shoulder recos pretty consistently. 
Yeah, and I mean, that would be in line with it, Ryan, because, I mean, we saw Reed Marnie, like, 1.5 or less missed tackles pre-shoulder, and then he came out of the shoulder, went to about 3-point-something missed tackles a game, and then last year it was, like, 5.8 missed tackles a game or something. So, yeah. right, you've been pretty strongly theorising this was a Bulldogs issue. Yeah, absolutely. I, I guess when you're standing next to Carl Oluwapu at lock, it's probably not the best uh, <laughs> when you've got big middle forwards running at you to, to make effective tackles. Um, because, you know, one I've... I've uh, Chucked on the list here late. Uh, I was scrolling your injury profiles before uh, we started recording. And one I was interested to get your opinion on is um, Cameron Munster. So obviously last year he had um, you know a, a number of things. He had the the groin issue, the ribs, broken finger. Um, it, it, do you, how much do you think that affected his performances? And can we expect um, a, a bounce back year for Cameron this year? If it was if it was anyone else, I, like if you just read those that list to me and say, you know, how would these affect people? I would say significantly. Like they are with the uh, osteitis pubis, that's going to affect your agility. Um, and then I think was the other one the rib. I'm doing this off the top of my head. Yeah, but yeah I think rib. it was yeah broken rib. Like that's huge for going into contact, those kind of things. But I think Munster perform still perform really well last year. So I think even in the profiles I said, like that there is absolutely an argument that like obviously he would have performed better last year than like if he was fully healthy, but he still performed quite well. Like he was still one of the better players in the comp. He still scored relatively well. Once again, you guys would be able to provide the fantasy um, average compared to previous years. But like there, there, there is an argument that if he can stay fit again next year, his performance could go up another level this year for sure. I just was shocked once I kind of looked back at his stats to see how well he played on paper when those were the injuries he was dealing with. It was like, because anybody else, I would be like, oh, that's going to that's gonna cut their scoring down 20 30% usually, I would probably say. But with him, it mm. didn't seem to have that much of an effect. Yeah, I mean, from our perspective, it was almost exclusively attacking stats where he dropped. So... 2021, he averaged 55, 2022, he averaged 60, and then 2023, he averaged 55, which for any other season for Munster would have been really good. But he actually had his highest kick meter totals ever uh, and his highest try scoring average ever, even though his attacking was the lowest it had been since uh, 2020. So it was basically, it looks to me like to be um, burst attack, if I would call it that. Um, so it was over one tackle bus per game less on average and uh, um, 75% as in like, sorry, uh, it was one turnover tackle per game. So he was cutting people in half between the strips and the uh, the turnover yeah. tackles and he dropped down to 25% in 2023. Mm. Yeah, well, I, I definitely think that could go up. I guess the argument you'd then make would be, you know, the storm going to be better this year and he's not going to have to be hoofing the ball out of his mm. own end as much. So potentially he loses that in those kick meters as well. But I definitely think from an agility and like that kind of thing, he can definitely be better this year. Yeah, cool. Great. Uh, I want to skip over Kai Pierce-Paul with the f- lingering foot injury. They sort of didn't give a huge amount of interest to it, but it seems like he's going to be ready to go round one and yep. off the bench, probably not a, of relevance. If he was to pick up a starting job, is that something you think could affect his performance or No, I think I think effectively if he if they have enough confidence in him to pick him to start, then you see that as a sign that he's physically going pretty well. Um yeah, okay, great. No, cool. That's an easy one. And then obviously uh, just an easy one off the top as well. 
before we get to the good ones, Campbell Graham ruled out for the indefinite, you know, I think till yeah, about yeah, August yeah. with a sternum injury that he played through last year and, and obviously just couldn't uh couldn't get couldn't get through. Yeah, I'd just you just leave him even when he comes back, just see how he returns. Cool. All right. Yeah, no, cool. Okay, well, while we keep it running with the edges, what about uh, Sean Lane? Obviously, he had quite an injury-affected year last year, a broken jaw and a a bunch of major contact injuries. Are are you expecting Lane to improve this year? Yeah, massively. Like, he's, um, I think I nominated three injury by the years. Now, like, to sort of say an injury by the year, I'm not saying, like, someone had a red-hot crack at me when I think I put Karaz in there saying that, you know, he's not going to earn the most, most money. Obviously, it's Pappenhausen and blah, blah, blah. And when I talk about injury by the years, I'm saying from an injury perspective, I see the most room for improvement from a performance perspective. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to make the most money because, you know, players start at different prices and all that kind of stuff. But definitely Sean Lane is a huge one because he had three non-related injuries. The only one that you could be half concerned about Moving forward was the hamstring strain uh, because we know there's like re-injury risk there, but it happened so long ago now. Um, yeah, I'm just all aboard Sean Lane as everybody is, but certainly from a from a performance perspective, I think you've got all the evidence in the world that um, yeah, to be confident in him going well this year. Well, while we're talking, I guess, major impact injuries, um, perfect segue into Ryan Pappenhausen, I think. Um, obviously, his entire lower body has been an issue over the last couple of years. Um, how much do you think that'll affect his performance? Obviously, he wasn't goal-kicking in either of the trials this year. Um, uh, do you have any concerns for him moving forward? Not overly. I think I'm a lot more confident um, than consensus uh, for a lot, it seems, just purely because... The the latest injury, ankle fracture dislocation, it looks super nasty, but guys return from those pretty consistently and pretty consistently well. So I wasn't overly concerned about the ankle in itself. It was more the knee, just making sure, you know, it was on the same leg as the knee. He had so many troubles with the knee, but all the reports that have come out, you know, he's hitting... I think it was 94% or 95% of his speed, like his best ever speed um you know, uh, speed heights or kilometers per hour or whatever you want to call it. He was hitting, you know, 94, 95% recently. So, you know, he loses 5% here and there, which you'll pick back up as the season goes. So I, um, yeah, I don't have too many concerns there. I said in the injury profiles, I didn't really expect him to kick when he first came back. It's not a fitness thing. It's more a, let's just get Paps back out on the field. He hasn't played footy for However long, he doesn't need the extra pressure of goal kicking. If he's fit, my favourite saying is if they're fit to play, they're fit to kick more often than not, unless you're talking about like a groin strain or a hip flexor strain, something like that where the kicking involves that extra use. But for something like Paps is coming back from, he's fit to kick. But why does he need to worry about it? to you know to get back just get him to focus on his game getting back back out there getting mentally back into the game again which is going to be such a a thing to overcome uh so yeah well like everybody's looking for the answer of when's he going to goal kick again like i'm not stupid enough and i'm not going to be you know arrogant enough to sit here and be like i think it's going to be this because of these reasons it's literally just like 
you know, how how's, how's he feeling? Like, how's he feeling about it? It, it? How long does that take? Does it take a week? Does it take six weeks? Does Nick Meany hit him really well? So, yeah, it's it's not something that anyone could predict. If they get it right, they've just had a stab. So, yeah, he, he, he could be kicking for round one. He could be not kicking till mid-season. It's just too hard to tell. Mm. It's definitely one of those luxuries when you've got a team that's got a couple of really, really good goal kickers and, you know, like something like this with Pappenhausen. I know like when I did my knee injury, like ACL, MCL, coming back and doing any sort of exercise from that, the hardest point of the hardest part of the entire process was convincing my body that it could do the thing that I knew it could do, but convincing it to do it anyway. And, you know, I'm only a sixth grade cricket player, let alone a, <laughs> you know, NRL level fullback so it's going to take time and and you know at the end of the day I, I'm sort of stuck in an awkward position now where I've discovered Jordan Rafner and I'm trying to work out if I'm gonna not buy Ryan Pappenhausen but I think you just dissuaded me from that so I think that's probably a good idea fair enough now uh I, I'm gonna call these the Hammy brothers or the Hammy twins but there's three of them um so we've got uh Jaden Braley Ruben and then Ruben Cotter and Ben Trebojevic, who uh, sort of more last year's hammy issues. Uh, any concerns for those guys moving forward? And the reason why I ask is obviously Ben Trebojevic looking to try to steal this edge spot from another injured player in Josh Schuster, who obviously we'll talk about. But I mean, Ben Trebojevic, he's had hammy issues. He's been pulled up from games plenty of times. Ruben Cotter got managed through last year. And then obviously Jaden Braley, probably the least relevant or definitely the least relevant of those fantasy out of the three of them. Yeah, Cotter not concerned. It's been ages for him. So, um, yeah, no real issues there. Uh, Burbo, definitely the one most concerning, but still with all these kind of risks, you got to toss up risk versus reward, right? And what's Burbo's price in fantasy? Base Basement price. Yeah, you just buy him every day of the week because it costs you one trade to get rid of him. Because, and you said we're going to talk about him, so I'll just talk about him. Like, you, for me, the injury risk of a Ben Turbo versus a Josh Schuster is just not even close. Like, it's, yeah, you, you are going with Ben Turbo every day of the week, even though there is that elevated risk because of his hamstring history, because he's had multiple. Um, but at, at that price, you just cannot pass up his upside. So I'm smashing him in my team every every day of the week. But you're doing it with the understanding that, yes, there is an increased injury risk. So if he was like, you know, mid like a mid-ranger or something, you'd then start to toss it up. But, yeah, basement price, you just buy him and, and accept that there's a little bit of an increased risk. Uh, and then Jaden Braley, I just, yeah, I wouldn't go near it. He's coming back off an ACL, his second ACL on that leg. He now has a hamstring issue, which disrupted his preseason. Just no, no thank you. Yeah. Yeah, well, I suppose while we're on the topic of Trebojevic's and hamstrings, uh, we've got to bring up the elephant in the room, and he's your man. Um, you, you shout his name from the rooftop every year, and it's uh, Tommy. Um, how are you feeling about Tommy's prospects this year? Um, I feel like you're going to be very positive. Obviously, he had a completely uh, unrelated injury to the hammies last year. Um, I think Tommy himself is getting sick of being asked about the hamstring. Um, are you all in on the Tom Turbo train this year, Brian? No, I think it's I think it's the same again. I think with the like I'm not concerned about the the peck from last year. Like that is a, like a, what I term a footy injury, right? Like that can happen 
to anyone. He's arguably less of a risk of doing it again now after having surgery because those surgeries, they're pretty full on uh, these days in terms of what they pin it down with and stuff like that. So I've never seen in my entire time tracking NRL injuries a re-rupture of a pec after after uh, yeah surgery to repair it. So no, in, no concern there. But look, there's absolutely, just like Ben Trebojevic, there's absolutely concern with Tommy Turbo for a hamstring re-injury. I know he gets sick of getting asked about it, but it's because the, the yeah, the, like the history's there. Um, but my argument always with Turbo is that the, the juice is worth the squeeze. Like he just, if he can, uh, like when he's out there, I am not concerned about his performance. I am slightly concerned about a hamstring re-injury risk, but once again, you know, he's gone and done above and beyond. He's run, I think, the thing from Manly, which got me real excited, is he was hitting speeds faster than he ever has in his career in training with the GPS and stuff like that. So that kind of thing, like the the best predictor for... I guess reduced hamstring injury risk is hitting those top end speeds and hitting them consistently because it's all about loading and, you know, training the hamstring to deal with that load. So the fact that he's hitting those speeds is awesome um, and, and good for, I guess, you know, putting your mind at ease a little bit about that re-injury risk. So for me, uh, yeah, look, like I, I'm unashamedly a big fan of turbo and I love how hard he works even through those injury rehabs, uh, so yeah, he's a he's a lock for me again. But once again, I would rather he's always someone I'd rather have in my team. And then if he does his hammy, I'm only using one trade to get him out. Mm. Whereas if you don't have him and he starts lighting it up, and you're like, holy shit, and you you break apart your team or you do whatever to bring him in, and then he hinges it, you've then used two trades and you've completely Mm -hmm. stuffed yourself. So, yeah, he's just someone for me, once again, I think you accept that there is an increased hamstring injury risk. Uh, It's not huge because he hasn't suffered hamstring injury in over 12 months, but it is still there considering his history. But, yeah, I just pick him every time. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Sorry, I just want to pinch up. I'm going to go off script a little bit. I've got another one that seems to be in the same basket and it's not on the list, Brian, so I apologize. That's okay. Brandon Smith seems to be in a similar basket where there's a lot of people that are worried about it. And I think it's just because he's just like one of those toddlers that just keeps running into the dining room table or something. Like he just seems to, every time he gets tackled or takes a run, he gets up and he's feeling at something or whatever. And there's people concerned about the injuries last year, obviously had the rib cartilage and then what do you have? Like a broken finger and then uh, something else like it was, he seemed to have three random unrelated footy injuries. Uh, it, do you have any concerns with Brandon Smith moving forward this year? Uh, like, I think it's more like a technical thing with him or like a lack of self-preservation. Like he just seems to fly into everything without much self care. Uh, so I've, I've written in injury profiles in the past that he does concern me a little bit in the way that he plays the game. It's a bit like, um, I think Josh Dugan was the one I used to talk about as well. It's just more they just, yeah, like sometimes you just need to have a little bit of pause and sort of be like, okay, rather than just going in at this head for this situation with my head leading out the front, maybe I don't need to whack this guy as hard and I can just bring him to the ground rather than trying to do that every time. <laughs> so, yeah, I think there's absolutely an argument. I get it because I, I think it is a technical thing with him a little bit at times. 
Okay. Yeah, no, interesting. Um, I suppose, I guess the next guy on our list here that we're going to talk about, uh, Ryan Madison. So obviously he hasn't been cited uh, this preseason. He's had calf issues and back spasm issues. Um, obviously, I, I don't know, for me, I, I feel uh, the back spasm issues always give me a little bit of PTSD from Jai Arrow back in the day when he was throwing up uh, halfway through a game and had the captaincy on him. Um Brian, how are you feeling about Ryan Madison? Is he going to be fit for round one and is he going to be managed if he is playing round one? Yeah, there, there probably hasn't – we haven't gotten too much information on, like, the severity of it all. It's like, you know, is he just – because to give power credit, they've been really great with, like, their injury reporting over the offseason, which – is a blessing but a curse in a way because sometimes it can be like, you know, great, it's extra information. But you don't know how many dudes there are across the league dealing with these little niggling things across the – like I think we found out the other day Brad Parker had been in hospital for two weeks at some point during the off-season and we didn't find out for like three months. (laughs) It's like, look, how does that – how do we not find out about that? Like that is ridiculous. Um, so yeah, so it's not something I'm overly stressed about, to be honest. Like, I, I think if you like Maddo, you like him and you just pick him. I, I don't think there's been enough evidence there for me to be like, this is a major issue yet. No, that, that makes sense. Um, yeah, it's, it's one of those ones where you, you don't really know. I, I guess, uh, like the classic was Penrith last year with their injury reporting, given the old Isaac Targo leg. Sometimes NRL clubs can be a bit hit or miss with their injury reporting, can't they? Yeah, it just goes both ways. Like the more information they give you, it can be good. But I'm like, potentially they could just be, they could be really, really specific about, oh, you know, like Madison's just having a few back spasms and stuff like that, which is something that once again, you know, there could be dozens of players across the comp dealing with those kind of things. But because their clubs don't report injuries, you don't even know. So it's just like, it, it, Sounds like it's more than likely just something that, you know, a footy player will just deal with and still perform really well. But, um, yeah, until I see any further evidence that it's anything more than that, I'm, I'm pretty happy to treat Maddo as Maddo. Cool. A couple of easy ones for you to finish, mate. So Dom Young obviously got his uh, neck in an awkward position thanks to Toff Sipley putting it there. Um, and he's going to miss. He's going to miss Vegas, but apparently he's going to be right for round two. And uh, heard heard on the grapevine that Joseph Suwali was going to be the one who misses out for round two, which is going to be really interesting. Right. Uh, any any long term concerns for Dom Young, or you think that's no, uh, zero zero? Oh, cool. he, he'd be all, all right. good. Great. All right. Now I do have two guys who lots of people have very long term concerns for us to finish. And we've actually mm-hmm. ripped through this really quick, mate. So we've been really efficient here. Jack Bird's the first one. Uh obviously oh. moving from the edge into the centers and losing about ten kilos, you have to imagine is gonna help. Uh for us, uh, obviously we are not interested in him fantasy at the moment. He's going to drop in price, and he still does score pretty well at centre, but obviously being on the edge and in the forwards last year is pretty expensive. He's going to drop down, and we'll have a look at him at that time. Uh, there's been some people discussing the potential of him moving back to the edge, but I, I would be really interested to hear your thoughts before I get into my love interest of the offseason to finish us off. As to Jack Bird... Now that he's dropped all this weight and, you know, he's obviously been training in the centres, 
What's the implication, do you think, of somebody going from losing weight and training in the centres to, you know, having even the possibility at, like, someone with a jacket, Bird's age and injury history of moving back into the to the forwards again in the season? Yeah, Jack Bird's just, like, the definition of a guy who I would just be more than happy for him to, to miss out on him purely because my opinion on him is prove it to me before I even consider you. Like, I just don't. I, I just don't have much confidence in like even some of the stuff coming out of St. George last year. Now I know it's a different coach this year and I think um, Jack Bird and Flano have a really good relationship. So that might change things a bit, but there was some stuff coming out of St. George last year that Jack Bird's knee was just kind of like a little bit of tendonitis and he was just carrying on. That's what I was hearing. And I'm like, far out, like, you know, either A, that's a, you know, it's a, a reflection on the player, but then it's also a reflection on the club too. Like, what are you doing? How is that information getting out? Like, it's just, um, yeah, I, I, it's a situation that I, I'm more than happy for him to like, just prove it to me first, like see a good four to six weeks of him being fit and healthy and playing well before I even think about bringing him into my side because I just don't think – I think, as you said, with his injury history there, he's got three ACLs, uh, he's had a meniscus injury – the, he's had the knee injury, knee issues then last year as well, even though he's lost weight, which is fantastic. Uh, yeah, I, I, it's just not a situation I'd dance with and, until he has shown a good solid six-week period where he's doing well. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Um, I, um, I, Ryan, I have to apologise to you, mate, because we're going to finish off and you've heard me wax lyrical about this guy uh, for the last couple of weeks. Uh, for some reason, Brian, people seem to think that Jason Tomalolo is 47 years old. Um, <laughs> and he's actually not. He's only 30. He's over two years younger than Jack DeBellin. Uh, and last year he was coming off a, a rib cartilage injury that required him to have surgery. Uh, he was out for a number of weeks. Uh, he was obviously below his best. And I want to just give you the, the numbers on this because I really think it is an important um quantitative approach uh, as opposed to just the eye test. Obviously, we're not expecting Tomalolo to play big minutes ever again, given he is a 30-year-old middle forward and uh, Ruben Cotter exists. But just looking at his games where he played a similar role to what we think he's going to play this year, which is sort of 40 to 59 minutes a game, so about 50 minutes a game, roughly. If you look at that sample there, we've got a 100 games, roughly. since 2015, um, and his PPM has been really, really consistent, 0. 0.85, 0. 0.93, 9, 8, oh, sorry, 0. 0.9, 0. 0.8, 0. 0.9, 0. 0.95, 0. 0.8, 0. 0.85. And then last year it dropped all the way down to 0. 0.67, which was just massively lower than anything we've ever seen. The demerits were up, the attacking stats were down, the base was down across the park. In your opinion, do you think that Jason Tomalolo's drastic drop in PPM in one year where he had a knee cartilage injury was more than likely due to that knee cartilage injury or more than likely due to the fact that he's 30? And do you think he can recover if you do think it's the knee injury? Um, I I don't. I, like, I didn't I put in the injury profiles. I don't see a lot of evidence that it was the knee cartilage injury, to be honest, because so he played through the cartilage injury for several weeks earlier in the year, which is when I'm like, that's going to affect you, right? 
But then he had it surgically, surgically fixed up. He spent longer on the sideline than was initially expected. Now, A, did he have setbacks during rehab? B, did they take it a bit conservative with his return to play? But then when he came back, that first game back, and I'm sure you as a Jason Tamalolo lover, you will remember this game, he absolutely killed it. Like he had one of the best games I've seen him play in almost two years, which was just fantastic. And then, uh, like, I had a look at his stats the rest of the year, and they just were bog average. His minutes average way down, and I like I I'd love the way I put it in the in the injury profiles is I'd love to be able to say it looks injury re- related, but unless there's something that has gone unreported to the public that we haven't seen, I just I can't see it being the knee because he should have come back from that extra time off. Then he showed us what he could do in that first game back. And then it just all seemed to drop off again. So I don't know whether it's his role in the team. Like that's the way the coach wants him to be used. Uh, I don't think it's because he's 30. I think it's, you know, it seems this downtrend in his overall role and performance has been since, Peyton has come has be, become head coach. I, I may be wrong in that, but that's certainly what my gut it feels like is that he just has been a different type of player since Peyton has been on board. Um, mm. But yeah, I'd love I'd love to be able to say that it's that it's injury related, but it didn't look like that because there what there didn't seem to be a whole lot of change pre to post surgery. At least at least from a you know a, I guess a like a base stats perspective, I, I couldn't see a whole lot of difference. Yeah, there's definitely uh, there was definitely a reduction in PPM, but it wasn't like we're talking about uh, just the season season total. It dropped from 0.73 before he had the surgery to 0.66 after he had the surgery. Yeah, and see, it should go uh, it should go up like uh, like after mm. surgery, unless and look uh, like as I said, if there's something that we had that's gone unreported, so like he the surgery didn't work and and it went poorly. And fair enough, but like that's a pretty simple surgery. It's not a surgery that goes wrong all that often. And we didn't hear anything. I know you know North Queensland aren't great at reporting those things, but there wasn't anything that came out that like you know Taumalolo the surgery hasn't gone well. He's still struggling with his knee, that kind of thing. So the fact that we haven't heard any of that, I mean, I have to go on what we know rather than you know just sitting here like trying to make the the injury information fit the stats. I have to look at he had surgery 99 times out of 100. That will result in players improving in their performances. So the fact that it didn't makes me think that his role is his role and that's what Peyton wanted him to do. That's kind of where I'm at. But once again, if we hear at any point between now and round one that, oh, yeah, Tamalolo, the surgery didn't go well, all that kind of stuff, then, yep, all in, great. But if not, then I think you have to assume that this is what they want him to be in North Queensland these days. Yeah. Well, I'm, I hate to tell you, mate, we're going to have to edit that last five minutes out because that's not what I wanted to hear. <laughs> Doesn't fit the narrative. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't fit the narrative at all. But that's what I mean, Sorry. right? Like it's, 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 you've got like, I totally see where you're coming from because you're like, oh man, like he mm-hmm. suffered this knee injury and it's like you can you can absolutely make that fit a narrative but i guess mm. what i'm saying is like that that surgery should improve everything and and, so that, look, and, Ryan, and 
over uh, overwhelmingly it is a successful surgery. So it would just be like a one in a hundred the surgery didn't go well. So I guess that's your narrative is Tamalaya was the one in a hundred and stuff you all. He's going to be great this year. Brian, I've got to thank you. Up. You can clip I, that up. I've got to thank you because I've had uh, Mark, you know, whispering sweet nothings about Tamalaya for the last couple of weeks now. And I read your injury profile about, you know, an hour before this podcast. And I was, and I was just looking forward to this, uh, this moment of the podcast of him just getting the, the hope slapped out of him. Yeah. Well, yeah. mate, I hate to tell you, Brian, you, you're actually not invited back next year now. <laughs> really That's all good, me. boys. That's all, right. all no, good, boys. But before you run away, I know you've got to do a, a draft in about five minutes. So I've got very, one very last question for you, and it's a lighthearted one. Mm. How much stock do you take in um, the photos that come out on the social medias uh, from the various teams of – a, like guys that are drenched in sweat and their shirts like stuck to them so you can see their abs and or they're passing the ball and they've got the big biceps going. How much do you factor that into your injury analysis? Oh, mate, unless it's Val Tafare um, and his <laughs> awesome rig, then I don't want to know about it. I'm a one-man I'm a one man guy and he, he's yep. got my eyes. He's the only one I look at. He's loyal. Yeah, if they're, if they're not dropping 10 kilos up on Mint Tambourine. That's exactly right, mate, exactly right. <laughs> All right, mate. Thank you very much for your help. As much as, you know, I'm really disappointed and this is going to be a 30-minute podcast with 10 minutes of editing at the end, I really appreciate you taking the time to join us. Uh, who's, your, who's your number one draft that you target for tonight, seeing as people, by the time you listen to it, you're going to have done the draft? Uh, I think, well, my three that I like from an injury perspective are Kiraz, Max King, and uh, Sean Lane. So hopefully I get away with one of those. Okay. Nice. Good stuff. All right. Thanks for joining us, Ryan. Thanks for uh, contributing and, and taking joy in my sadness. Brian, <laughs> thanks for uh, <laughs> thanks for everything in the first 35 minutes of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to give your Patreon a quick plug before you go out? Uh, yeah, patreon.com slash Physio if you want more wonderful information, dream crushing like that. Yeah, love it. All right. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. Love no worries, boys. Catch you later. This show was brought to you by our good friends at Picklebet. You can support the show by changing your regular bookmaking provider to Picklebet and using the code AMATURES on your first deposit to let them know where we found you. Make sure to set a deposit limit because chances are you're about to lose. For free and confidential support, call 1-800-858-858 or visit gamblinghelponline.org.au.